0: Going beyond the headlines, getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. Greetings and salutations, my friends. Thanks, as always, for tuning into the Calgary Today podcast. On today's program, we follow the bouncing ball known as Calgary's 2026 Olympic bid. And here's a hint, that plebiscite, it's going to go on as planned on November 13th. Also, being that it's Halloween, we talk ghost towns and ghostbusters here in Alberta. Creepy, creepy happenings down at City Hall, as we mentioned right off the hop. Some interesting uh, notes, as council has agreed to... Now, follow the bouncing ball on this one. Council had a recommendation before them to cancel the bid process and cancel the plebiscite. They voted 8-7 in favor of canceling the bid and the plebiscite, but because they didn't have the 10 votes needed, yeah, needless to say, we're still going with the vote, we're still going with the plebiscite, all that kind of thing. What I found interesting through this, Drew Farrell brought up an interesting notion when she was speaking earlier today, and here's what she had to say.
1: I decided to wear red today. I noticed. <laughs> and uh, the reason I decided to wear red was... It was a reaction to a comment that was made yesterday while we were in camera, which um, explicitly stated that people who were not supporting this bid didn't... um, didn't It was in camera? It was in camera, but I'm going to state it because it was similar to what we heard today. Um, Didn't care about the city as much and wanted the status quo. And I want to say that regardless of Olympics or no Olympics, we all love our city. And I think we need to start from that point. There is no monopoly on the love for our city. (laughs) And that's why I wore red today. For everyone who loves our city, um, this is beyond a single event. So if we can start from that position of respect.
0: And yet, This is what Calgary 2026 Chair Scott Hutchison decided to open up his presentation with this morning.
2: You stand to undermine a process, a three year process, an expensive taxpayer funded process. Some of you will say today there's still not enough information and others will say we don't understand the financial deal well enough. But those are convenient excuses to undermine what has been a very thorough process. Counselors, it was your job you committed to a, to secure a multi-party
0: agreement, and to date, you failed to complete that work. And for more on this, we bring in Global's Aurelio Perry, who's been probably the busiest man in show business over the last hour or so. Aurelio, thanks so much for giving us the latest. Hey there, Joe. So, council voted to not support... The rest of the bid, but in the process, they're letting Calgarians vote on this, anyways. That's sort of the nuts and bolts of this, right?
3: Well, technically, the motion was to reconsider holding the plebiscite. That's the only vote that was up on the table. Gotcha. So reconsider the plebiscite, and uh, that that actually had the support of the majority, eight to seven. However, because council only voted in September to hold the plebiscite on November thirteenth. 10 votes were required for it to be passed to cancel the plebiscite. So they fell two votes short.
0: Was this a surprise by any stretch of the imagination? Because I kind of called it earlier today saying, I don't know if there's enough votes around the table to nix a plebiscite altogether.
3: Uh, It was... It was touch and go until all of a sudden uh, the proverbial rabbit was pulled out of the hat with supposedly a brand new deal and Calgary 2026 sharpened their pencils and uh, there was a reduced cost. In fact, councillors heard a lot about this yesterday afternoon in closed session, but nobody was aware of it until it was signed off by the premier last night and the federal sports minister and then again presented today at council so, you know the terms of the deal is the f- the feds are going to put in one point four three one point four five three billion dollars, which is fifty one percent of the money required. The province is going to kick in seven hundred million, and the city's uh going to kick in three hundred seventy million dollars. The city's also going to spend twenty million to buy an insurance policy that will cover. Uh, $200 million in cost overruns if necessary. And there was also money earmarked for some Victoria Park improvement that council approved late last year. So there's $150 million that was going to Vic Park for improvements there is going to be part of the city's contribution to the Olympic uh, process because the improvements that will happen at Vic Park will also be needed for the Olympics. And doing that, the feds will match that 150 to get to that 1.453.
0: Clear as mud. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. It, it, it's And this is where Sean Chu and others have said this is creative accounting, I think, is what they called it, because at one point, the city's take was $500 million, and now you're saying that there's it's 375 but there's some caveats involved, and it gets a little bit frustrating. Unfortunately, we're, we're kind of out of time already on this, Aurelio, yeah. but it is something that we will definitely be uh, diving into now that we know that a plebiscite is going ahead uh, on November 13th. Aurelio, it was always a pleasure to have you on and give us uh, the, the brass tacks I'm, everything going on at City Hall. Great, no problem. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. For those who may know me from outside, my, uh, my usual realm of being a radio guy, is I'm a big fan of ghost towns, grain elevators, Alberta's past... So I thought it'd be kind of cool to talk a little shop when it comes to ghost towns with our next guest. Uh, Jonathan Cook runs what is called Forgotten Alberta. It's a website. You can also check him out on Twitter uh, at the number four and then gotten underscore Alberta. And he joins us now. Jonathan, thanks so much for the time today.
2: Hey, Joe. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's
0: great to finally catch up with you after uh, so many years of kind of following each other on social media because you do such a great job of navigating uh, the different ghost towns and ghost stories that you can hear about our past here in Alberta. And one that a lot of people may not know about right off the hop is maybe a town that was expected to be bigger than Calgary at some point, And it's actually been reduced to nothing but flat prairie land. And that's Bow City. Tell us a little bit about Bow City.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, well, Bow City, um, there is still Bow City today. It's
0: a mm-hmm.
1: uh,
2: hamlet uh, on the Bow River uh, in uh, Newell County. But 100 years ago, Bow City was actually a village uh, on the opposite bank of the Bow River in uh, what is now Vulcan County. And uh, at one time, it was... Uh, Uh, really promoted is going to be the Pittsburgh of the West. There's uh, quite a bit of coal at Bow City, and there were big dreams about uh, having a large agricultural community around there and uh, a big irrigation project. And I don't know if you know the country, uh, or if your listeners know the country around Bow City very well, but Mm -hmm. it's very flat and it's very dry. And, uh, you know, even though it's located on the Bow River, uh, the banks down to the river are quite steep. So getting the water from the river up to the top of the bank, uh, was always going to be a bit of a challenge. And uh, due to a combination of factors, I think uh, probably the two biggest being the fact that they couldn't get a rail line through to Bow City, and uh, also uh, many years of drought Uh, kind of took the wind out of the sails of the boosters of Bow City, uh, of which there were many. Uh, A lot of people um, uh, wanted to sell real estate there, and and they did. Uh, I think some fortunes were made, but uh, mostly a lot of fortunes were lost. And uh, like I say, um, there's not much left of Bow City today. Uh, There is the hamlet in Newell County and a thriving agricultural community um, surrounding that area. But uh, as far as the actual village of Bow City, uh, you would drive by it today and you'd never know it was even there.
0: There's some fascinating stories throughout the southern part of the province, and I, I look even along the Drumheller River Valley, uh, you got a bunch of different towns there, whether it's Dorothy, that kind of thing. Throughout all your travels, which story or which town really grabs your attention more than any other?
2: Well, definitely, you know, I mean, Bow City resonates for me. My, my family homesteaded just down the road in, in 1909, and I guess that's really why I was interested in it. Um, but, uh, you know, aside from that, uh, the, the story of Alderson is really compelling. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it was a former village, kind of a similar story. It uh, was located along the Canadian Pacific uh, rain, um, main line uh, in between uh, Brooks and Medicine Hat, uh, and it was a village of about 250 people at time. Time oh, really? and uh, similar story. You know they were going to build a, a big grain-growing community there. Uh, you know lots of talk about uh, irrigation in that area, and uh, just uh, you know drought pretty much snuffed out that community. There was a you know uh, many years of drought in the twenties and thirties in southeastern Alberta where that community is located, and uh, you know eventually the population dwindled and they moved to to other places within Alberta and uh, elsewhere in the West, and uh, the United States as well. And uh, Alderson's another one of those places where you would drive by today, uh, you'd never know there was anything there. And actually, uh, um, University of Calgary academic David C. Jones wrote a very interesting book, kind of centering on Alderson and the story of Alderson. It's called Empire of Dust. And uh, I highly recommend it to your readers. It's a a really compelling read and I think tells a story uh, of southeastern Alberta history and Alberta history um, that uh, we don't really hear much about anymore.
0: Very cool. I could go on for days with you, Jonathan, but it was great to catch up for, for the limited time we had. Thank you so much for the time and looking forward to seeing what your next adventure has in store. Awesome, Joe.
2: look forward to speaking to you again.
0: This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. Time to have a little bit of fun. There's been a lot of serious talk today. Now, this next guest, he has been helping keep Alberta ghost-free for seven years now. I'm kind of kidding and jest a little bit, but at the same time, he's doing a great job in terms of raising some money and also living the dream as a ghostbuster. Yeah, an Alberta Ghostbuster here on Halloween. Dustin Milne is his name. Dustin, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, no problem. Good to be here. Fantastic to see the ghosts and goblins, but even more fantastic when we can actually wax nostalgic a little bit, and you guys do a fantastic job of that. What is the inspiration behind what you guys do with Alberta Ghostbusters?
4: Basically, our group uh, kind of got formed. It was a bunch of guys that really liked Ghostbusters, found each other on the internet, and uh, we all wanted to build our costumes and flight suit and cosplay, and we found each other. We thought we'd start a group and uh, help out some charities while we're at it. So we work for local charities, raising money for them.
0: Are you surprised at all at how quickly it's turned in in the sense of the popularity of it, and and especially with the the nostalgia part is a lot of people love thinking back to cartoons and that of the 80s and early 90s. Yeah, it's definitely good to see kind of the reflection. I
4: think uh, I think that was kind of the golden time for film, so everybody likes to kind of pay tribute to it. And I know it's nice on our end when we can find, oh, we're not the only ones. You know, there's, like in Alberta alone, we have almost 35 members. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's franchises like this across the world. So this year, actually, Sony's having a big 35th anniversary party for Ghostbusters, and they've invited all the franchises from around the world to come to the lot. So some of us, you know, we've only ever talked on the Internet from Germany to Canada, and now we're actually going to get to meet each other for the first time. So it's kind of cool that way.
0: Yeah, that is very cool. When you guys are out and about, because I know you guys do a lot of public appearances, that kind of thing. Any situations that would make, you know, looking back on it, that make you chuckle or, or just experiences or, or uh, different things that have, you've come across that just made you go, wow, did that actually just happen?
4: We uh, we do get the odd uh, thing that kind of makes you laugh. We get a lot of people that uh, because we're raising money, they'll, they'll get right in there and throw a donation in and take pictures and kind of hang out with us. And then, you know, as they leave, they go, so, what are you guys dressed as anyway?" <laughs> it's like, "Oh, I kind of thought you knew."
0: <laughs> it's got to be interesting too, and in, in terms of just the when they people do go home and they're like, "Hey, wait a minute, I." I just talked to these guys about something random. It's It's got to be kind of a, a cool experience, especially for those in that, I'd say, the 30 to 45 demographic.
4: You know, it's definitely cool for that demographic, um, but I think what we take away is that there really is no age limitations. We get everybody from five-year-olds that just are ecstatic when they see us to, you know, people in their 70s or 80s. It, it, Ghostbusters is one of those films that kind of touched
0: everybody. It's interesting, given that you guys have that worldwide connection as well, and, and you, you alluded to that part of it. Is there any drawbacks that you've noticed in terms of, you know, having to kind of attach yourself to such a phenomenon like Ghostbusters?
4: Not really. I'd say, like, a you know, it's all about the charities. So we're all raising money for charities throughout the world. Everybody kind of has one that's that's local or hits home to them, and, and that's what they do. The nice thing about the... Uh, The worldwide aspect to it is there's all walks of life that are members of this, you know, from graphics designers to um, prop builders to, you know, we have chefs and mechanics in our group. So it's cool to see the collaboration. Everybody brings something special to the group. So when we go to make, you know, an echo containment unit or a slime blower, everybody kind of has their expertise to throw in.
0: It's gotta be fun. And you segued really well into my next question was you guys do all the props. I mean, even the car is done up exactly like, uh, the old car that you'd expect. What's, uh, what's been some of the highlights on that front for you? I think for any
4: member getting their proton pack has been the highlight. I remember when mine showed up in the mail. Um, I didn't build mine. I ordered it from a guy in the States, but, uh, some of the guys have built theirs and and spend years doing it so to actually you know finish it, throw it on and then run around is is awesome.
0: I know you do a, a pretty big uh, Halloween uh, tribute to ghostbusters as well at your own home uh, what what do you have involved because I'm I have a feeling it has something to do with the state Puff marshmallow man.
4: Yeah, you may be right. There may be a Stay Puff Marshmallow Man making an appearance. Uh, We're lucky enough to have a 25 foot inflatable one, so it'll be here along with some ghosts and um, some other Ghostbusters. And then we've actually got a a south location with some Stay Puffs and inflatables and, you know, just come out and take pictures and get some candy. And it's all about the kids at that point. Whereabouts can they find that? Uh, Mine's in Panorama. uh, Panton Way just off Stony Trail
0: and the other one's uh, Auburn Bay Fantastic man, keep up the good fight, Uh, job well done and not only just having some fun but also giving to uh, some notable charities as well here in Calgary, Uh, Dustin again thank you so much for the time today Hey, no problem. Good to be here, and uh, thanks so much. Dustin Milne with Alberta Ghostbusters. He says, uh, he told me earlier on that it is uh, open from 6 till 10 tonight if you want to swing by while you're out trick-or-treating. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. Just want to take a moment to thank you for taking the time to download and listen to the Calgary Today podcast. Don't forget to subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, or wherever you get your favourite podcasts. We'll chat with you soon.